The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. Please subscribe to the show, whatever platform you are listening on, hit subscribe. Today, we're talking about a serious issue, childhood addiction. It's an incredibly difficult situation for a parent to be in. You don't always know the full extent of what's going on, but usually you can sense that something is wrong. Well, our guest today is an addiction specialist and author of the book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, Richard Capriola. Great conversation. Check it out. But, but as a general rule, I, I, I say to parents, pay attention to the changes you see in your child. You know your child better than anyone. So pay attention to the changes that you see. Don't assume that the changes are just normal adolescent acting out. They, they may very well be that, but they also may be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface. So some examples would be a child whose grades are starting to decline, a child who used to enjoy participating in extracurricular activities, no longer enjoy enjoys participating or is interested in those activities. Uh, a child who used to introduce you to their, to their friends, you knew who their friends were, you might have even known who their family members were, now becomes very secretive of who their friends are. A child who becomes very secretive of where they've been and what they've been doing. Uh, you know, these are just some examples of changes that we can see in children that as parents, we need to be curious as to why those changes are going on. If they if they last a short period of time, seem to come and go quickly, it's probably not too concerning. But if you notice these changes tend to linger on, and then you begin to see more and more of these changes, uh, then it might be time to get some professional assessments to see what's going on underneath the surface so that you have a better idea of, of what's going on with your child. Yeah, I feel like in society, there's this feeling of like, like substance use is almost like a rite of passage or just a phase. And a lot of people view it that way. And I guess there's a difference from like a kid having a beer once and a kid becoming an addict. I mean, what are your thoughts about the sort of just a phase line of thought? Well, I, I think sometimes it is a phase. Uh, unfortunately, it's a phase that can get out of control and can be very damaging. And, and what parents need to understand is the adolescent brain, their child's brain is in the process of developing and maturing and doesn't get fully developed until around age 24 or 25. So any substances, illicit substances that are introduced into that child's developing brain has the potential to do some serious damage. Damage that as a parent you may not see. It may be under the surface, but, but because that brain is so vulnerable and it's growing and maturing, anytime we introduce substances into it like marijuana or drugs or alcohol, 
alcohol, we run the risk of doing some some damage. You know, under age, you know, alcohol, marijuana are still the two most popular drugs used by teenagers. Although there's prior to the pandemic, there's been a a, 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 a dramatic increase in kids vaping substances like marijuana mm -hmm. and, and nicotine, but alcohol is still very popular. Underage drinkers account for almost 11% of all the alcohol consumed in, in the United States. Wow. The, the average teen, uh, the average teen boy first tries alcohol around age 11. And for teenage girls, it's around age 13. And teenagers who start drinking before age 15 are five times more likely to develop alcohol dependence and abuse than those who began drinking at or after age 21. Well, you're talking about numbers, but how widespread of a problem is this really? Do we have a sense of how big of an issue it is? Well, I can tell you that the, the research that was done last year showed that about 55% of high school seniors are using alcohol and about 41% um, uh, of 10th graders were using alcohol. So, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the most popular substances uh, among the teenage population, alcohol and marijuana are the two most popular substances and and they're used by you know a fairly high percentage of teenagers like i said 55 percent of seniors yeah I, I think a challenge with addicts you know i've known addicts in my life and they can be very sneaky and manipulative yeah. and that makes it tough to confront them or really even get a sense of what's going on it is, and, and, and teenagers are, are, are very good at concealing their substance use from their parents. They, they're very good at, at uh, flying under the radar, so to speak, uh, and that makes it much more difficult for parents. And unfortunately, many parents get caught off guard and surprised. Like I said, uh, many of the parents that I worked with, some of them would, would respond by saying, I had no idea this was going on. And, and they didn't, you know, they didn't. And they, they're good parents. They just missed the, they just miss the warning signs yeah is there any way to be extra alert i guess just pay attention to their behavior are there other things like look out for smells or yeah i, I mean obviously if if you if you uh if you sense any any unusual odors coming from your child's room, uh, you want to be curious as to what that is. Uh, if you find any paraphernalia around the house or in their room, that's an obvious tip off. But mm -hmm. but kids are very clever at being able to fly under the radar and hide many of these things. So uh, you want to pay attention to the behaviors, to the behavior changes, because many of these substances will will produce behavioral type changes. What about when you do find that stuff then? Say you find an illegal substance in your home, what's the best course of action then? Because you do have something illegal in your house too. Yeah. I, I think the first thing you wanna do is you wanna have a conversation with your child about it. And by that, I mean, you don't accuse the child, uh, you don't punish the child, you don't threaten the child. You, you, you want to come at this discussion from an inquiring point of view. And, and by that, I mean, I'm noticing these things or I'm observing these things. Can you help me understand what's going on? Can you help, and I'm concerned. Can you help me understand why I'm concerned? So you approach the discussion 
situation from an inquiring point of view. Express your concerns, express your curiosity, and invite the child to help you understand better what you're seeing. Now, that's a discussion that's likely to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up and the child's going to become argumentative and defensive, which tells you something, or you might actually learn something. But regardless of how that discussion goes, that first or one or two discussions, if you're still concerned as a parent, you need to proceed to the assessments that I mentioned in my book so that you can get some professional assessments and advice as to whether or not there's a problem that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, I think with addiction too, mental health is always a factor too, or there could be like co-occurring issues, or maybe your child just has a lot of anxiety, or they're clinically depressed, and the addiction's more a symptom. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of reasons why kids turn to, to substances. Some of it is because of the friends they're hanging around with. Some's peer pressure. Uh, some is curiosity. But for some, as you noted, there's an underlying psychological reason why that child is using a substance. It might be anxiety, it might be depression, it might be some type of trauma, maybe being bullied at school that is a parent you knew nothing about. Maybe there's an eating disorder developing, maybe there's an emerging personality disorder. There may be a psychological reason why your child is using a substance to medicate on that underlying issue. You. Many of the teenagers that I worked with at Menninger Clinic who were smoking marijuana multiple times a day, when I asked them to help me understand why were they smoking so much marijuana, the number one answer that came back was, it helps me with my anxiety. So for some kids, not all kids, but for some kids, there may be an underlying emotional issue a psychological issue, why that child is using a substance. And unfortunately, that underlying issue often gets missed. It's not diagnosed and treated. Yeah, we just did an episode specifically about marijuana and talked about that. Of Sometimes the withdrawal symptom of marijuana is having anxiety, and then you're using the marijuana to treat the withdrawal, and it gets in this big cycle. Um, That's a yeah, that's a very good point, because although marijuana might help calm the anxiety initially, it has a rebound effect. It'll make the anxiety worse over time. Yeah. Well, then what's the next step? Your child has some sort of problem. Mm -hmm. Not all kids connect with therapy, though, or what can you even start to do? Well, every child is different. Every diagnosis and treatment plan is different. The range of options include everything from outpatient to intensive outpatient to residential treatment. And that's the benefit of getting a professional assessment from people who are experts in the field of, uh, of addictions and, and psychology and psychiatry so that you can get an accurate assessment and diagnosis, which then leads to a treatment plan because every child is different. Every diagnosis is different. Every treatment plan is different. And you want a treatment plan and recommendations that are, uh, that are uh, targeted to your child's specific needs. Well, I put this out to our listeners a few days ago, and I got this message that I want to share with you and get your thoughts on. So this okay. is a question from a listener and kind of a story. But it says, what can parents do to stay the course when their child is crying or complaining about treatment? How can parents be strong against the manipulation of the addicted child? 
it's hard to say no or put strong boundaries with someone that you love as deeply as your child. My brother was 16 when he was admitted into a rehabilitation center for multiple addictions. Later, we would realize it had been our last chance to stop a raging addiction before he came adult and virtually unstoppable until the court system intervened. My parents caved after two weeks because my brother called and cried every day about how he felt mistreated, the food was awful, he had no privileges, he couldn't wear his own clothes. Um, <laughs> later, he died of complications from alcohol and addiction at age 30. So bailing him out was the worst thing anyone could do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is unfortunately a common story. Mm -hmm. um, when, when I was working at, at Menninger Clinic, which is a, a, a large psychiatric hospital, parents would bring their teenagers into the hospital uh, for treatment. It had gotten to that point. Uh, it had gotten out of control and they felt hopeless and helpless. And none of these kids came into the hospital willingly. Uh, they came in angry. They came in belligerent. They came in fighting and bargaining and trying to get out of it. But, but to the credit of the parents, they held firm and they insisted that their child be admitted to the hospital. Now, in my experience working with these kids, uh, you know, once they got into the hospital and they settled into the program and they started going to groups and individual treatment, uh, after a week or so, they sort of calmed down and, and got engaged into the program. But initially, no, none of them wanted to come in and they, and they fought, uh, uh, you know, like crazy to stay away. And, and, uh, you know, my advice to parents is this is probably not the first time you've heard your child tell you no. You, you're probably used to your child tell you, telling you no about a lot of things, but you really need to hold the line and, 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 and insist that the child, if, if the recommendation from the professionals is treatment, you need to pay attention to that or this may get, uh, this may get dangerously worse in time. Yeah. Are there any ways to reinforce that in yourself or kind of remind yourself or have a community or something just to give you the parent support because it's just such a tough place to be in? That's an excellent question because the advice that I have for parents is if you're going through this with your child, you know, we put so much focus on the child that we often forget that the, that the parent, the parent themselves is going through a crisis and they need help. They're having all kinds of emotions. They're wondering what went wrong. How did I miss the warning signs? What kind of a parent can I be? What's the community thinking of my child and my family? Um, so they're going through a whole range of intense emotions and, and the parent the parent themselves needs support and needs help. So my advice to any parent going through this is build a support system around yourself. Maybe it's other family members, maybe it's close friends, maybe it's a support group from your community, your, your church or your mental health association, but reach out and build that support system because you're going to need it and, and, and you're going to need that support. And this is going to be a journey. You're going to be on this journey for a while. So get some help for yourself, build a support system. And I think you'll find that, that, that the road will be a little bit easier. It's never totally easy, but it will be a little bit easier if you have that support system behind you. Yeah. Well, an addiction can be such a long-term thing. But, but I will say this, we know that treatment works. We know that treatment for addiction and substance abuse works. 
we know that mandated treatment works. In other words, you don't have to be willing to go into treatment for, for it to work. It's, it's nice if you are, but we know that mandated treatment, whether it's court mandated treatment or parental mandated treatment, we know that works. I saw some remarkable stories from these kids who came into Menninger Clinic that their parents literally made them come into the hospital. I saw some remarkable stories uh, of, of how these kids during the treatment that they were at Menninger, Menningham, Menningham, many of them left Menninger to go to longer term treatment programs because the situations were that serious. And, and I would hear back from them from time to time about how successful they've become. So, so treatment, we know that treatment works. I think, too, when I'm thinking about childhood addiction, like if you or I were to become a heavy addict, we lose our jobs, maybe lose our homes or yeah. whatever. The stakes are very high in adulthood, but in childhood, you're kind of living life on easy mode in a lot of ways. Well, so, I'm, I'm often asked, you know, what's the difference between adult addiction and adolescent addiction? What's the difference? There are two differences. The first is in consequences that you just brought up. Uh, an, an adult addict has often faced catastrophic consequences. They may have lost a job. They may have lost a family. They may have lost a marriage. They may have been incarcerated. These are not little consequences. These are oftentimes catastrophic consequences that adults who are addicted face that adolescents don't. The second area, the second difference between adult addiction and adolescent addiction is in the brain development. As I said earlier, the, the adult brain after around age 24, 25 is fully developed. The adolescent brain, on the other hand, is in the process of maturing and developing. So there can be some real damage done to the developing brain when we introduce substances, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, or harder core drugs. So the two big differences between adult addiction in adolescent addiction, consequences, and brain development. Shout out your book title and where can people find it? The book is uh, titled The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. It's available as a Kindle version for people who like to read on a Kindle, and it's available in a paperback version. It's available on Amazon, and it's available by going to the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. If you go to the book's website, you can read endorsements, reviews, a sample chapter. Um, there's a link that will take you directly to Amazon. And I also wrote a very brief parent handbook that I would encourage parents to take a look at because as we've talked about, parents need help too. So I wrote this parent uh, handbook. It's very brief, has exercises in it that I think parents might find helpful. Um, and there's information on the book's website about the handbook as well. So helptheaddictedchild.com. Well, this has been a heavy conversation and just made me think about a lot of different things. Leave us with some kind of message of hope here. Well, hope is what it's all about. Uh, and the message that I want to, to, to leave to, to, to parents who listen to us is that um, there is hope. Uh, if your child is going through this or your child may go through this at some point in the future, we know that treatment works. Obviously, 
the earlier you, you notice a problem, the earlier you intervene, and the earlier you get treatment, the more likely you are to resolve this issue. But there is a sense of hope. We know that kids and families can get through this successfully. So if you're a parent, please know that there is hope and there is help that's out there for you. Richard, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you so much for uh, talking with me and, and helping me to uh, hopefully bring some good information to your listeners. So I really appreciate you uh, helping me reach out to people. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Richard. Just a, a very important conversation. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.